0: Welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 194, Freedom and Bondage. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. Do you guys know the feeling of knowing that you have done something that has offended God, that is against his commandments? And that thing occupies your mind. Now you can go one way or the other. You can either kind of spiral into shame, and which of, often causes us to repeat and dig into that sin, or we can reject the godly guilt that we feel and tell ourselves stories that aren't true, that it doesn't matter what we're doing, or we can give that sin to the Lord. We can ask for forgiveness. We can make amends. We can go through the repentance process. I can tell you from experience, as I'm sure you have similar experiences, that one of those options feels infinitely freer and lighter and more joyful than the other. Giving your sins to the Lord brings a lightness of mind understanding the lord as he truly is that your sins truly can be taken from you and be gone that he doesn't hold them against you that you believe him when he says that he is there to take those things from you that feeling is the ultimate feeling of lightness and joy and freedom but even after i feel that freedom and it feels so true and so real to me i know sometimes i have a hard time not revisiting those things that in the moment i knew i was forgiven for but then i get i get distracted i get caught up i i spiral a little bit and i wonder and question again Even though I had fully accepted it at one point. The last couple of years, the scripture that always comes into my mind every time I have those thoughts is in Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 6, verse 22. In this chapter, Oliver Cowdery had already received confirmation that what the prophet Joseph Smith bore testimony of of the veracity of the Book of Mormon, of the gold plates, of his experience was true. But just like all of us, I think he had a moment of wondering if what he experienced and what he knew at that time was really a confirmation from God. So in this revelation, verse 22, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If you desire a further witness, cast your mind upon the night that you cried unto me in your heart, that you might know concerning the truth of these things. Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can you have than from God? When I have those moments where I doubt and I go back to those sins that at one time I knew I was forgiven for, that is where I go. And because I do that, because I revisit that, because I continue to think back on the feelings that the Holy Ghost gave me, I feel as though I've been able to retain a somewhat complete version of that experience in my heart. You know how when something happens, like a spiritual experience, often the impact of that spiritual experience is a little dampened or lost in our mind, especially the less, the less that we treasure it and share it and record it and do things to really help cement it in our mind. So when I think back to that scripture every time, it helps me think back to the moments that I knew I was forgiven. And he did speak peace to my mind. And I knew that it was true. And that feeling doesn't involve further guilt. It doesn't bring shame into the picture. It is pure freedom, freedom from the bondage that I was once once in, freedom from whatever habits that I had kicked, and freedom from from that guilt that I had felt. I love the song "Peace in Christ" by McKenna Hickson. And my favorite part of that song is when she says, when you know him as he is, there is peace in Christ. Do we know him as he is? Do we understand the grandeur and the the completeness? Is that a word? <laughs> the completeness of his, his mercy and his plan? Do we believe him when we, he says that though our sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow? when we know Christ as he is, when we understand the plan of salvation for what it is, when we understand the gospel for what it is, it is not stressful. It is not constraining. It's freedom. This week, we are reading the book of Galatians. And in the book of Galatians, Paul says, "'For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty.'" And then in verse one, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Paul is writing a letter to the Galatians concerned as they seem to be turning away from Christ. Paul seems surprised because he knows that they have experienced the liberty that Christ can offer. As I was preparing this episode, I was drawn a lot to 1st and 2nd Nephi because this concept this topic is talked about a lot in 2nd Nephi chapter 2 verse 27 Lehi teaches to his son Jacob men are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil why when we have the choice Of liberty and freedom, do we often choose the path that leads to captivity? Why do we have such short attention spans? I know I do. And we quickly forget if we aren't tending to our testimonies, to what's really important, what is really truly beneficial to our lives, what makes our life truly rich and joyful in the true sense of that word. I know when I am in the midst of a spiritual high in the moment, I just can't imagine how I won't be forever changed by how I feel in that moment. I'm sure you have all felt that way, so committed. I know I remember, especially when I was a teenager, I would go to EFY and grasp some small portion of the vision of the gospel, and then it seems only a week later, I couldn't quite regather the same conviction that I felt. And the same thing happens to us as adults. I think that's one of the reasons that Heavenly Father knows that we need to go to church. We need that weekly commitment, recommitment to the Savior. That's why we aren't supposed to just read our scriptures once a week or once a month. It's because we need constant recommitment because we have pretty short attention spans and we easily forget the commitment that we feel. I can't help but think of Nephi speaking to Laman and Lemuel in 1 Nephi chapter 17, verse 45. He says, "'Ye are swift to do iniquity, but slow to remember the Lord your God. Ye have seen an angel, and he spake unto you, yea, ye have heard his voice from time to time. And he have spake unto you in a still small voice, but ye were past feeling, that ye could not feel his words.' Wherefore, as he has spoken unto you, like unto the voice of thunder, which did cause the earth to shake as if it were to divide asunder. Why are we swift to do iniquity and slow to remember the Lord? Like I said, it seems like it should be an easy choice, right? One is the choice of bondage, the other is the choice of liberty. All the commandments are intended to lead us to liberty. A vast majority of our mortal desires are not inherently bad. And in many of them, there is inherent good. But when not contained within the bounds the Lord has set, they go from something that can set us free and aid in our eternal progression to something that is destructive to our soul and will enslave us. Take sexuality, for example within marriage it creates children and provides intimacy and joy with a person that you have chosen to live your life with god commanded adam and eve to multiply and replenish the earth and we are told by our modern day prophets that this commandment remains in force sexuality is good as children grow up to become teenagers those feelings within them are natural and intended to lead them to a fulfilling focused and purpose-driven life Ultimately, the product of sexuality, which is children, leads us to fulfilling God's plan here on earth and provides us with our most important mission, full of unselfishness, service, and the pure love of Christ. But, used outside the bounds that the Lord has set, outside marriage, sexuality has the potential to distract us from our purpose. Sexuality has the potential to be selfish, and adultery can break hearts and seriously alter the lives of all family involved sexuality has the potential to be twisted and perverted into something evil sexuality has the potential to be turned into something that denies its ultimate purpose which is procreation sexuality has the potential to enslave you isn't it interesting how a god-given mortal desire can be used both to liberate and enslave let's find another example food the word of wisdom we were sent to earth to acquire bodies because our bodies are essential to our eternal progression as we become like our father in heaven as we exercise agency the choices we make have consequences that can result in freedom or captivity making righteous choices brings the spirit having the clarity of divine direction in our lives is a form of freedom making unrighteous choices diminishes the influence of the spirit and leaves us more vulnerable to the influences and captivity of satan heavenly father has a body and his perfected, exalted body is essential and central to who he is as God. God would not be complete without his body. God could not be who he is without his body. God could not have fathered our Savior Jesus Christ without his body. Elder Marion G. Romney said in his talk entitled, The Way of Life, As to why we are here on the earth, I reminded him of the self evident fact that as the offspring of God, we inherit the capability of reaching in full maturity the status of our heavenly parents, just as we inherit from our mortal parents the capability to attain their mortal status. And that since God has a body of flesh and bones, it was necessary and perfectly natural for us, his spirit offspring, to obtain such bodies in order that we might become like him. That coming to earth was the means provided for us to obtain these bodies. I further explained to him that this mortal probation provides us the opportunity to, while walking by faith, prove ourselves worthy to go on to perfection and exaltation in the likeness of our heavenly parents. While we are here on the earth, just like our Father in heaven's body helps him accomplish his goals and purposes as God, similarly, our bodies are necessary for us to do what we were sent to do here on the earth. In fact, the ordinances and covenants we participate in on the earth, such as baptism, endowment, initiatory, sealings, must be completed by someone who has a mortal body on the earth. That's why we do proxy work. Those brothers and sisters on the other side of the veil need those ordinances and covenants that can only be performed by somebody with a body. As we create the beginnings of our eternal posterity, we do so with our bodies." Now, I know I started this by talking about food and the Word of Wisdom, so let's get back to that. Here on the earth, our bodies need things. Our bodies need food, drink, and exercise. Part of being able to complete your mission here on the earth involves you eating food, because if you didn't eat food, you would die. If you didn't eat high-quality food, that will lead to health problems which can really distract you from what matters most as you focus on an insufficiently fueled body or we perhaps eat too much which then hinders our body from functioning in a way that's comfortable for us or that is healthy for us and that also is a distraction heavenly father expects us to eat food it's good to eat food food is necessary for your body to function so you can do the things you need to do that is freedom There is nothing quite like the feeling of having a capable body. And when we have capable, healthy bodies, we are able to focus and have the energy for what we have been called to do. Now, of course, not everyone has control over their health here on the earth. There are plenty of people who have taken great care of their bodies and then, through no fault of their own, are afflicted with sickness and disability. There are also people who perhaps have made choices that have negatively affected their bodies, but that doesn't mean that they can't repent for that that they can't start over and they might be left with some of those consequences but even a body that isn't functioning at its full capacity that isn't functioning in a way that's not distracting i i have such great admiration for people who are dealing with sickness and pain here on the earth and yet still dedicate their lives to the lord that is incredible on the other side of things, food and a sedentary lifestyle can be a crippling addiction. It can be a distraction and an obsession. It can enslave us mentally and physically. It can keep us from doing the things that we want to do. It can keep us from fully engaging with our families and friends. It can keep us from having the mental and emotional capacity for really seeking after the Lord the way that we, we should. Let's talk about another commandment, tithing. We are commanded to pay tithing. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. When we pay tithing, I am convinced that it goes toward liberation from the love of money. When we charitably give without expectation, it goes toward the liberation from the love of money. The love of money enslaves us in a vicious cycle of greed. It's never enough, whether rich or poor. Both the poor and rich are capable of being entrapped by the love of money, the obsession of money. It is so easy to be caught up in that as our life's focus. As we pay tithing, we willingly give what we could use selfishly. And I don't even mean necessarily frivolous things that we could be buying selfishly. Perhaps we are just focused on what we need to live and feeling a little bit of a lack of trust in the Lord that He will provide even when we pay tithing. As we pay tithing, we have faith that what the Lord can provide for us is better than what we can provide for ourselves, is better than the earthly blessings money can bring. As we pay tithing, we can be liberated from the love of money, from the obsession around money. Now, obviously, we could continue on and give more and more examples, but all of Heavenly Father's commandments do not enslave us, they liberate us. When we obey God's commandments, we are rejecting the enslaving demands of the flesh and accepting the freedom created when spirit and body work together in harmony to accomplish God's work and our eternal destiny. And that's what it's all about, right? Our individual and collective as a family, eternal destiny. And that destiny is to become like our father in heaven and mother in heaven, which is ultimate freedom. Think about the freedom that God experiences. That's what we're working toward. Doesn't it make so much sense that as we obey the commandments, we become more like our Father in heaven until that perfect day when we attain that? That's not captivity. That is freedom when our Father in heaven gives us what He has. We are heirs to eternal life, and the only way that we can get there is through our Savior Jesus Christ, through submitting humbly to His will, Through letting God prevail in our lives. That is how we become more like Him. And the more like Him we become, the more freedom we experience. Exaltation is eternal progression. The other option, going the other direction, is halted progression, limited progression, and end to possibilities. In Abraham chapter three, verses twenty-two through twenty-six, it says, and they who keep their first estate shall be added upon. And they who keep not their first estate shall not have glory in the same kingdom with those who keep their first estate. And they who keep their second estate shall have glory added upon their heads forever and ever. Does that sound like captivity to you? I think one of the greatest and most successful lies that the great liar has ever convinced humanity of is that his path is freedom and the other is captivity. And one of the greatest and ultimately most successful truths that will ultimately triumph is that the path of righteousness is true freedom and the beginning of all the greatest possibilities for your life. Elder L. Tom Perry said in his talk, Obedience to Law is Liberty, Why did the phrase obedience to law is liberty ring so true to me at the time? Why does it ring true to all of us now? Perhaps it is because we have a revealed knowledge of our premortal history. We recognize that when God the Eternal Father presented His plan to us at the beginning of time, Satan wanted to alter the plan. He said that he would redeem all mankind. Not one soul would be lost. And Satan was confident he could deliver on his proposal. But there was an unacceptable cost, the destruction of man's agency, which was and is a gift given by God. About this gift, President Harold B. Lee said, Next to life itself, free agency is God's greatest gift to mankind. Then, it was no small thing for Satan to disregard man's agency. In fact, it became the principal issue over which the war in heaven was fought. Victory in the war in heaven was a victory for man's agency. Satan, however, was not done. His backup plan, the plan he has been executing since the time of Adam and Eve, was to tempt men and women, especially to prove we are undeserving of the God-given gift of agency. Satan has many reasons for doing what he does. Perhaps the most powerful is the motive of revenge, but he also wants to make men and women miserable like he is miserable. None of us should ever underestimate how driven satan is to succeed his role in god's eternal plan creates opposition in all things and tests our agency each choice you and i make is a test of our agency whether we choose to be obedient or disobedient to the commandments of god is actually a choice between liberty and eternal life and captivity and death the world changes constantly and dramatically but god his commandments and promised blessings do not change they are immutable and unchanging men and women receive their agency as a gift from god but their liberty and in turn their eternal happiness come from obedience to his laws as alma counseled his errant son corianton wickedness never was happiness Close quote. so what is our choice the prophet lehi described that choice well in second nephi chapter 1 verse 13 oh that ye would awake awake from a deep sleep Yea, even from the sleep of hell, and shake off the awful chains by which ye are bound, which are the chains which bind the children of men, that they are carried away captive down to the eternal gulf of misery and woe. Elder Marvin J. Ashton said in his talk, Shake off the chains from which you are bound. Righteous living is a shield, a protector, an insulation, a strength, a power, a joy, a Christ-like trait. Yes, living a life of righteousness is a chain-breaker. Many of us today are shackled by the restrictive chains of poor habits. We are bound by inferior self-images created by misconduct and indifference. We are chained by an unwillingness to change for the better. Is it any wonder, in our day, as it was in Nephi's, that God's pleas are awake, listen, procrastinate no longer, believe me, come back, and seek the straight course? This catchy couplet fits so many of us. Procrastination is a silly thing. It only brings me sorrow. But I can change at any time. I think I will. Tomorrow. Shaking off restrictive chains requires action. They cannot be wished away. A declaration will never break chains. It requires commitment, self-discipline, and work. Chains weigh heavily on the troubled hearts and souls. They regulate us to lives of no purpose or light. They cause us to become confused and lose the spirit. We need to arise from the dust and enjoy the fresh air of righteousness. We need to move forward in patience, understanding, love, and never-ending commitment. A truly wise person will constantly move forward, striving for self-improvement, knowing that daily repentance is needed for progress. That's my favorite part, because sometimes I worry whenever we say something that about constantly moving forward and always striving for self-improvement. The most important part of that is knowing that daily repentance is needed for progress, not perfection. Continuing with his quote, He will realize the good life is simply conforming to a standard of right and justice. The joys of happiness can only be realized by living lofty principles. Those who are committed to improvement break chains by having the courage to try. Those who live without commitment mistakenly think, It is easier to adapt their lifestyles to the weight and restrictions of chains rather than put forth the effort to change. God help us to shake off and break the chains with which we are bound. With God's help, they can be shaken off by faith, works, prayer, constant commitment, and self-discipline. And might I add, daily repentance. Let's end with Paul's words. Ye have been called unto liberty. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.